This is the Financial Tech Podcast, show number nine for August 26, 2011. I am your host, Jim Collison, and we are broadcasting today from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. And I am once again joined by my friend and uh, vice president over at the at the Gallup Federal Credit Union, Andrew Hunt. Andrew, how are you doing this afternoon? I am well. It's Friday. It Nothing is Friday. Friday, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon at 4, and uh, we're in the studios doing some recording. It's good uh, heading into the weekend. I'll let folks know that if they want to contact the show, they can send us an email, podcast at TV. They can also find us on Facebook. Um, and actually, the Facebook community has grown a little bit, Andrew, as we've uh, we've been nice. driving people that way. It's heavy technical, you know, because the Home Tech Podcast uh, has got quite a following now, and so it's kind of heavy on the tech side. But that would be a place they can go. Just go to Facebook and search for The Average Guy Podcast over there. You can also follow me, follow me on Twitter, at Jay Collison. And, and, Andrew, your Twitter is? Andrew D. Hunt. It's pretty easy. I should be able to remember that. I never can. Keep it real. Yeah, it's, Andrew D. Hunt. Yeah. That's good. I tweet a little bit. I, you know, I should tweet more. But uh, in my world, you worry about what you say. So it's kind of right. keep it on the... You've got those initials by your name now, and so you've got to be a little more serious about what you tweet about, right? Or just not tweet about financial stuff. Right. You know, retweet other people's fun comments and stuff right. like that. Well, Twitter's become a platform mostly for advertising and not, and not really... I mean, I, I do some communication across Twitter uh, from time to time. I'll get folks who will ask me a question on Twitter. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I get more email than anything else. And and Twitter's just not a super, I don't think, a super efficient platform to try and have a communi- have communication on. If I want to do Twitter-like communication, I'll just go to Skype oh, sure. right, and do it that way if that person's on Skype or send them an email. Um, so using Twitter as I am isn't a great idea, I, I think. That's just my mm-hmm. personal opinion. I'm um, not a great I am client. Uh, it's a little clunky if you're using the website. So anyway, it's mostly advertising. That's what it's defaulted to. It is a great platform, though, with the, earth, with the earthquake recently on the East Coast with Hurricane Irene coming in this weekend. Um, some uh, With the earthquake in particular, uh, tweets were going out and Facebook updates were going out before – the earthquake had actually ended. Right. Um, and so you could have gotten, you would have known right there that second. And so it's a great platform for that kind of messaging. Absolutely. And, and for that stuff to work. So anyways, good. Well, Twitter at Jake Collison, if you want to follow us out there and I announce the show um, and what, you know, the kind of things that we're doing for the live shows, I announced that on Twitter before um, each and every show. We do have a tech uh, podcast. So if you're interested in that, you can come over. We call it Home Tech. And you can listen each Thursday night, 7 o'clock Central Time. And I, we also have, although I haven't done a show in about three weeks, but uh, we do a, fi- a fitness tech podcast where that, that guest host has gone home and no longer works at Gallup, and it's harder to make get those podcasts pulled off. But Jamie contacted me today, and uh, we're going to try something. Well, I also want to let folks know, if you listen to the to this podcast and, you brought, and you've uh, set it up on an RSS feed, we'll be making those changes in the next month or two. Um, and so you'll need to change that RSS feed. Head out to theaverageguy.tv and grab the new one here in the next couple of weeks just to give you a heads up if all of a sudden you stop receiving these. It's because we changed our RSS feed. Hey. All right. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh. Uh, so it'll be a, a little little changeover, but uh, a little financially more sound to move away from Podomatic, although we don't pay anything for that Podomatic account at this point. It's one of the free ones. 
I'm trying to get everything consolidated onto one platform for the ease of use. So, Andrew, it's been a crazy couple weeks in the financial markets. Seriously. Uh, I came to you. Actually, I was testing you. Not really. But I sent you an email uh, a couple weeks ago when the market was just flying up and down 500 points a day. I'm dropping, going back up. And I said, Andrew, should we be doing something right now? Because, uh, you know, what should I be doing? And your advice to me was kind of, you know what, Jim, we've got a plan. That's right. Yeah, stick. let's stick to the plan and uh, and the markets come and go. So what I, uh, uh, early in the week when I was talking to you about doing this podcast, like I said, you know what, let's talk about some standardized principles that that folks can follow when markets fluctuate the way they do. So, Andrew, maybe you can talk a little bit about what actually happened, in your opinion, in, in the market space, and then how, how folks can respond to that. Give, give us a little feedback on what you saw. Right. You know, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about. It's, you know, it really comes down to when we're, ta- when we're talking about the markets, right? Most of us, the exposure we have to this kind of stuff is through maybe our company 401k or, you know, other retirement accounts that we might have through our companies. And so I think, you know, we kind of have to create uh, in our heads two worlds, right? We've got our reality, which is long-term retirement savings for most of us. And then we've got uh, MSNBC, uh, you know, C-SPAN, Fox Business, whatever, the, these news outlets, right? And, you know, you know I think that kind of one of the, I was talking to one of my clients today, and, and I really think that... Uh, you know, the, the the conflict in Libya saved us about a 500-point swing simply because it changed the topic of discussion. <laughs> the, 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 the news outlets are always looking for something else to uh, stir the pot a little bit. And so, you know, we see this doom and gloom, not that there hasn't been massive volatility in the markets, but it's definitely been really publicized. And with the 24-hour news outlets anymore, gosh, it seems like you can find the latest and greatest craziness uh, at any given time, uh, literally on any device <laughs> that you have, your your BlackBerry, your, well, I guess Blackberries are out of date, your, your iPhone, your... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Your, your whatever, your iPad, wherever, you're, you're constantly bombarded. So I think for the first time, a lot of us maybe are more aware than we've ever been about these wild swings in the market. Because if there's one thing we know about you know, the stock market is that it goes up and down every single day. Yeah, it does it whether you're watching it or not. Right? That's right. And, and sometimes these swings happen. You don't not, of course, not the wild swings that we've had, the five or six hundred point swings that we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it does move every day, and and oftentimes I, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've just kind of quit watching it. Sure. I mean, I, I'm, I've kind of become a set it and forget it guy for the most part. I put put some things in. I don't want to follow, but. There are those folks who have individual investments or for whatever reason think they have to. It's really important that they watch it every day. I mean, so again, do me a favor. Recap for me sure. what, what happened. So basically, here's, here's where we were. The summer is coming, coming to an end. And there's this little thing out there called the debt limit. Yeah, the budget. Just so just a little deal yeah. going on. A trillion dollar deal. Right. Yeah. It was only and you know what, to be honest, it was supposed to be done, oh, about six months ago. It was supposed to be done back in the spring. And Congress was supposed to vote to raise the debt ceiling so that the government can continue to spend and pay, you know, pay all our bills, uh, you know, pay for the army, pay for Social Security. Yada, you guys know the story, backstory on that. Well, they delayed it. They, uh, they said, hey, let's have an extension till the end of the summer. At the time, it seemed like plenty of time. No big deal. We've got all summer to figure this out. Well, then, sure enough, uh, August is getting close. The deadline is getting near and nobody 
could come up with uh, with a with a, an agreeable plan. And so the deadline was August third, and uh, it was getting really down to the wire. You know, John Boehner was coming out saying, you know, Obama's not working with us, and then President Obama was coming out saying Republicans aren't working with us, and all this high drama again all over the news. You couldn't get away from it if you didn't know about this going on. Uh, you're probably well, boy, you probably weren't turning on your TV or your radio. It was, it was, or even logging onto the web. It was pretty, uh, so it was, it was pretty well publicized. And so the, obviously the markets were reacting to this because if for some reason the debt limit couldn't be raised, then that was going to mean that potentially the U.S. defaults on its bonds, which if you default on your bonds, that's a really big deal. And uh, for the first time ever, the U.S. Tr- you know, treasury bills were going to be downgraded. Well, so just like many predicted, uh, you know, a deal came through at the last minute, uh, which was fine and good. Um, but for some reason, the market still tanked. Well, then we blamed it on the European debt crisis. So similar things happening in Europe that happened to us in 2008, 2009, but this time on a government scale. So what happened to us in 2008, 2009 on, you know, in the financial sector where we found out about some, you know, some bad deals that were being made that were undermining the, uh, the entire system. The same thing is going on in Europe. So the European Union, which you know runs the euro, the, their currency over there, which is relatively in the history of currencies, very new currency, um, kind of united all of the Western European countries. Um, and so because of that, they have to walk in lockstep in what they do economically because they're all on the same currency. Similar to how you know the United States, it's really important that all the states move in lockstep, right? Um, similar but different. Anyways, um, so because of that, there's some there's some craziness things going on. You know, you guys remember with Greece, where they they had all kinds of you know, very leverage. They had borrowed a ton to you know pay for things like the Olympics and sustain their economic growth. Well, that was kind of the the first piece of the iceberg, if you will, because now it's coming out that um, other countries such as Spain, Portugal, um, are really that are all on the euro are also having you know some underlying serious serious issues. Well, the United States stock market looks at that and says, "Oh my goodness, there's all these big companies over there. This could be a huge issue." And it's still, and the guys, this isn't resolved, so this could still be a huge issue. Um, but then the, the markets start to tank, and people are saying, "Oh, we have the debt crisis resolved here." Well, then all weighing on top of that, all of a sudden, Standard and Poor's, the big uh, bond rating agency, comes in and says, "You know what? Even though you guys resolved your debt ceiling issues." We still think that the U.S. government is spending too much and that the economic outlook is really bad in the USA, so we are going to downgrade you one notch. And boy, let me tell you, Jim, that's bad news. That's kind of unprecedented, right? I mean, that nobody, nobody, did, nobody saw that coming? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say, and this is pure, purely my opinion, um, you know, I wouldn't say that the U.S. probably deserves the AAA rating. Let's just be honest. Okay, so maybe that was an inflated rating to begin with? Well, I mean, it was definitely appropriate to be downgraded, in my okay. opinion. Okay. Um, you know, and I, so I think, I don't think that nobody saw it coming, but I think a lot of people were hoping it wouldn't come. Okay. And so when it came, of course, obviously, that, that you know, that significantly affects the bond market and significantly affects the stock market as well. Is that more, though, just of a title than anything? I mean, that AAA rating was really kind of a false... 
right. a false symbol of security, right? Right. I've heard it often described that this downgrading, all that that means really is that we're still just the the, the cleanest, dirty, dirty shirt in the laundry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of looked at it and went, well, okay. I know we say these things, but everybody kind of knows under the covers. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, and we, we are an economic engine in the United States right. as an econ- economic engine. And, and, we do generate a ton of activity and a ton of cash in what we do, and we still have tons of resources, and our GDP is still very, very high. So, you know, it's not like we are trash from from an, right from that standpoint. We're not Jamaica, <laughs> right? We're, we're not Haiti. Yeah, you know, well, we, we, there's hope uh, that we can create an economic, you know, a system that works. Sure. But is it the best? It does deserve a AAA rating. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, you know, and it's hard to say, too. I mean, a lot of the downgrade stems from the future outlook, right? So I think what S&P was trying to say, and I, I will also say that they're the only ones. So there's three rating agencies, Fitch, Moody's, and Standard & Poor's. And S&P was the only one to downgrade us. Um, but I think what they're trying to get at is they're trying to say, hey, listen, if nothing changes, you know, the future could really be significantly impacted. In other words, a AAA rating means you don't have these kind of crises. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to this point where you're you're fighting to go down to the wire. Right. You don't have ten percent. There's a question. Right. right. Or there's questions of whether you're going to get your budgets through. Mm-hmm. There's questions of whether the debt ceiling is going to be raised or not. I mean, a AAA rating would be. You know what? Maybe you don't have that kind of debt. You don't have these kind of problems. Exactly. Right. Okay. Good. So that you know, so that downgrade mixed with the uh, craziness going on over in Europe. Um, mixed with just general bad news about the economy. You know, unemployment is still high in the U.S. And, you know, 10% unemployment or 97 or whatever it's at um, is very, historically very high. Full employment is 4%. So very high unemployment. And, of course, you know, you and I on living in living life know that the economic climate is not great. You know, if, if, you, if we're concerned about having enough money in our bank accounts and, and saving and because we're afraid of debt, because we, you know, because we just see that the prospects out there aren't good, then we already know what the economic indicators are starting to tell us. Right. And that's the things just aren't that great. And so all this information started coming together basically in the first and second week of August. And that's just added to um, a fairly precipitous fall in the stock market. It's been, the, uh, you know, somewhere around 10% fall since the beginning of August. Um, that's not exact, but, you know... It, Enough where it's making headlines all over the place. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and certainly it, it, it grabs the attention of the average American. Right? Absolutely. The average saver out there, the average spender out there kind of goes, ooh. And maybe they're like me and they haven't paid attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe like me, they're like, for a while there, I kind of got like, oh, crap. Right. Well, you know, uh, what do I do? You know, the email I sent to you was uh, was one of... A little concern. Want to feel you out a little bit to say, Andrew. You know, do I need to be worried at this point? Should I, should I do some things? The other part was a little, a little bit of greediness to say, oh, what are some things that I can do right now to take advantage of this? Right. Every a down market does not necessarily mean there's not things that you can take advantage of in that kind of market. So it depends on you know where you're at and and what kind of funds you have and if you have cash available and some of those other kind of things. So, Andrew. Uh, Walk me through a kind of um, some things it, as an average consumer, an average saver, an average investor. When these kinds of markets come up, what, what are some things that I should do? What should I be thinking about? And, and, and how should I approach a market like this? 
You know, this that, that's a great question. And uh, one of my favorite bloggers and favorite writers out there, his name is Carl Richards. I think I might have talked about him on this program before. But he, uh, he's he got a fantastic uh, blog that he does for the New York Times called The Behavior Gap. And uh, he, he put it a great way. He said, you know, it's a really, really bad time to learn how to use a parachute when you're falling out of an airplane. Uh, you should definitely know how to use that uh, in advance, right? And I think these, you know, these declines in the market are a really great time for us to reevaluate as investors, um, how, you know, how how safe we feel with our portfolio, and to make sure that we have those backstops put into place um, to have some com- conservative um, allocations in our portfolio, so that maybe the fall isn't quite so hard. Sure. And so, uh, you know, what I always suggest is um, you, you need to ask yourselves a few questions. Uh, the first one is always, you know, when we're talking about investing, we always want to think about time horizon. So how long am I looking out into the future? Am I willing to wait this out? That's so important. If you don't, if you can't label uh, your saving or your investing according to a time horizon, then it's going to be really hard to figure out what you want to do. So that's question number one. Uh, number two, and this is, this is definitely, uh, kind of a, a, kind of an interesting self self report type question. And that is how long can I stomach a depressed portfolio for? Cause there's odds that, you know, and gosh, we've kind of all experienced this. If you've been in the market since 2007, 2008, you know, can I wait three or four years for this to come back? Can I wait, you know, can I stomach, negative returns or flat returns for three or four years. Um, that's something that, you know, not everybody can say yes to, and that's okay. Right. So that's a, that's a tough question. It, for me, let me just talk about that real quick. For me, I kind of, I'm weird in this way. I actually kind of look at this as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started investing in the late 90s, right? And you could not put enough money in the market soon enough, sure. right? Because it was ramping from 4000 to... 15,000, I think. Is that the, what's the all time high on the Dow? Yeah, the, the 15. Dow, that's like 15 in 2007. Yeah. So, uh, you know, early, you know, right before the dot com bubble burst in 2000, I just always felt like I couldn't get enough money in the market because it was moving so fast. And, and both the dot com bubble and burst and then the Great Recession, I think it's what they're calling it now, right? Is that the Great Recession of sure. 2009? Um, the uh, and I think that's a play on the Great Depression. I think, I think right? so. <laughs> okay, so I just want to make sure I got that right. So, whenever the market turns, I actually kind of feel fortunate because my time horizon is very long. Sure, I'm 43. I won't retire until I'm in my middle to late 60s, hopefully, um, maybe earlier if I can. If you and I play our cards right and, and I put enough money in there, but I feel like my time horizon is long enough that I think, oh, buy opportunity, right? right, and something like this, and so. That's how I've tried to approach this situation is when the market turns, I think, oh, another great opportunity for me to buy. Now, hopefully, I'm balancing my portfolio enough that when the market goes up and I rebalance, I'm taking advantage of selling off those things that have I've where I've made money. And, 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 so, and then I'm buying those things maybe that haven't. And so when the market turns, it does give me an opportunity to buy. Is that, am I right in that thinking? That's a great way to think about it. Uh, you know, and that was kind of my third question that you want to would want to ask is, you know, hey, if I can stomach down down markets, and if my time horizon is long enough, can I afford to buy more? You know, uh, it's just kind of the way I, you got to think about it in terms of everyday things. Stop thinking about stocks and bonds. Start thinking about gallons of milk. 
So when I was at uh, my local Hy-Vee, which I patronize weekly, uh, when I was at my local Hy-Vee, I think milk is selling for about $3.25. Sure. Something like that. Now, you have to ask yourself, if milk is normally selling at three twenty-five, and it's on sale for $1.50, um, would I buy a couple more gallons of milk? Well, can I consume three gallons of milk in a week? Probably. Uh, do I want to consume a couple more gallons of milk in a week? Probably. So yeah, I will buy more because hey, guess what? If it's normally selling for three twenty-five and I can go pick it up for a dollar fifty, uh, I'm getting a two for one almost if you think about it. And so you know that's you know so stop thinking about stocks and bonds. Start thinking about normal things you would buy. And that same logic applies, right? When your favorite items go on sale at the grocery store, you probably buy two or something like that. And so it's a really good buying opportunity, just the same way. And you know again, it's not appropriate for everybody. Uh, but if you if you can afford it, it's a good good time to consider it. And, and I think that's the biggest thing you can come. There's there's been a bubble on gold at this point, and I know we're not going to talk about individual things, but that is that's one of those things like internet stocks, right? Where um, does that change the rules? If we as we talk about individual commodities or individual items, are there things that you maybe just not even want to look at because the market's just insane with them right now? Well, I'll let our listeners look at those. And <laughs> yeah, I know I don't want to put you in a bad situation. I'm not, and I don't. I'm not saying I'm not asking you to say buy yes, buy no on right. a particular item, but that is a commodity that's kind of run away at this point. Right, gold and silver, by and large, you know, they say guns and gold. Uh, you know, kind of recessionary type, uh, type, type investments. Right. I've always heard gold is recession proof. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing I would consider is, is, you know, as an investor, think about why you're buying something. Sure. You know, I, I, I aspire, you know, I definitely am a school of thought of what we call fundamental analysis. So when I, when I think about buying something, I look at the fundamentals of the business. Do I believe that the management is good? Do I believe that they sell a good product? Do I believe that they're financially sound? Do they have a good debt to, to equity ratio? You know, we look at these fundamental pieces of businesses, and it's also called value investing. And you say, hey, is this a good buy for the money? And so I would encourage our listeners when they're thinking about buying commodities specifically, think about what you're buying. Um, uh, you know, whether it's gold, pork bellies, you know, orange right. future, whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. And then, and then do the analysis and say, is the price for what I'm buying worth it? And if it is for you, sure. If, if it isn't, though... Um, you know, go in with eyes wide open and don't just get caught up in all the craziness that you that you see and the ticker symbols that you see on, on Yahoo. And, um, you know, I really encourage you guys just to, to go in with your eyes wide open and, and looking for yeah. the most research. And that's the advice I'm looking for in, in that, right, is that um, engage your brain mm-hmm. in that, right? And then uh, make sure that if, it, if it's, it's that old saying, right, if it's too good to be true, it probably... Sure. And so in this, if it's expensive and it seems expensive, it it probably is expensive. And and uh, and so be a good consumer. Right. Really think about think it through before you buy on impulse or buy on emotion or buy because everybody else is buying it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot when we're talking about insurance, when we're talking about any product, really, you want to be the dangerous consumer. You don't want to just go buy something because everybody else is doing it. So 
just like you don't want to go buy life insurance because that's what you do when you turn 35, uh, you, you want to know why you're doing it. What's the point of this investment? You know, um, and what's the point of me spending money on this? Is it something that I really care about or is it just because the herd is doing it? And I'll tell you what, guys, if you're doing it just because the herd is doing it, you're likely to get burned. Um, that's not, you know, that's not specific advice about any investment, uh, gold or, or whatever. Um, but it's, it's really comes down to, you need to do what's best for you. Perfect. Well, okay. So I've got a 401k thing. The market's gone crazy. Back to my original question. What are some things that I can do right now with my investments? What are some, what's some things you would have me do with my investments during this time? Sure. You know, and you guys, this is this is a really important time. Just like 2008 was, um, you know, we're coming into re-enrollment for, for most of us who uh, work corporate jobs. And so it's a great time to be thinking about all of your benefits. So I would t- sit down and specifically looking at your retirement account balances and just say, hey, is the allocation that I put my investments into of, you know, a year ago, is that still appropriate today? Um, is it, do I have the right mix of equities versus international versus bonds versus cash that, that really makes me feel comfortable and allows me to sleep at night. Uh, so that's the first thing I would do. Is this allocation still appropriate? Uh, the second one is what are my objectives? You know, again, coming back to that time horizon, uh, do I have some specific goals that I want to reach? You know, is there a, a dollar amount goal? Is there a percentage of uh, my income goal that I want to save? What are my objectives? And, and, and am I going to be able to accomplish those given the current circumstances. It's really important. you got to have your eyes wide open. Uh, the second one is, what is my risk tolerance? Um, there is nothing quite like a big mountain, uh, big market downturn to have a come-to-Jesus moment and say, hey, maybe, maybe three years ago I was ultra-aggressive, um, but you know what? Things change, and I'm not ultra-aggressive anymore. <laughs> maybe I'm more in the moderate, or maybe I— Man, maybe I'm conservative, and that's okay. But you need to you need to reevaluate that every once in a while and say, "Nope, yep, I'm still aggressive." Or, or you know what? Let's go to let's go to conservative. I would rather preserve principle and uh, you know and, and make sure we keep up with inflation and not try and do anything crazy. But you got to you got to measure that. And there's some really great online risk assessments out there. Um, actually, if you just Google risk assessment, investor risk assessment, you're going to get some self-tests out there that'll really kind of help you nail that down. And I think that would be a valuable thing to do. And then the last one is, you know what? Sometimes it just makes sense to get professional advice. I, I use this example all the time. Uh, I'm, I-, I own a really old home. And so there's a lot of projects around the house that I like to do. And, and I'm working on finishing my basement right now. And, uh, you know, could I figure out the electrical in my basement without any help? Sure, maybe. But sometimes it just makes sense to hire a professional. And it's the same thing with investing. Could you read a bunch of self-help books and, and bring yourself up to speed and get some textbooks on this stuff to be able to do it? Absolutely. Investing is not rocket science, guys. Anybody can do it if you commit the time and the energy and the effort to being able to, to teach yourself it. Um, but if you're not willing to do that, that's fine too. You should hire a professional. And uh, I think that's really one of the, a good thing you could do. Um, you know, if you're looking for a good local professional, I encourage you to go to uh, cfp.net um, or you could go to uh, fpa.org. Uh, th- those are the Certified Financial Planner Organization and the uh, Fee Only Planner uh, Association. And uh, no matter what state you're in, you're going to find some local professionals that'll be qualified local professionals that'll be able to help you out. Those two organizations uh, hold really high ethical standards and uh, they will be a professional that'll be worth their salt. Yeah. And, and I found it very helpful. You know, you and I've been doing some planning and, and I find it very helpful. I, I, 
I'll be honest. I didn't even. I haven't even looked at my portfolio during this downturn. I. I, I haven't even been tempted. I. I, I just. It, okay. It's. I've put a plan together. I've set some goals. Uh, I, I'm not going to be shaken by something like this. Um, the market's going to correct in some way at some point in time throughout this. I'm going to let it do its thing. Uh, quarterly, we're going to rebalance, and you know what? We're going. I'm going to take advantage of uh, of those opportunities when we rebalance. I'm going to continue. If anything, and and some advice you gave me, if at anything, if I have some extra dollars to put in when things are on sale, uh, now would be a great time. And so, you know, it's one of those kind of things I have to ask myself the question: Do I have some extra money uh, to throw at this market to see if I can take advantage of some of the uh, some of the sales, some of the clearance sales? Sure. Uh, that are going on out there and and take advantage of them. So good stuff, Andrew. I, I think uh, the important thing for folks to to realize is to think through these and not respond on emotion. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is probably one of the most investment heavy um, webinars we've ever done. So I too, I also, you know, just because of you know I'm a risk manager, and so I just want to let everybody know that hey. We're not in the business of giving investment advice on this radio show. This show is merely just commentary. And so we don't want to can make, make anybody out there think that maybe we're giving some sort of advice on this. And, you know, if you do want advice, again, contact a professional. Um, but just take this show for what it is, just commentary on the markets. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And full disclosure, you are my investment manager. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, when, we, when we talk in these ways, I talk about that stuff, and you are. And full disclosure, yeah. Just so folks know that 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 you and I are, are in this adventure together, but we do like to get together and talk talk to folks about that. So as you're saying that, and you know, um, I'll remind folks if they have some uh, some issues, some things they want to talk to us about, they want to uh, ask us to talk about some things. Maybe uh, send us an email podcast at theaverageguy.tv, and I'll get that forwarded over to Andrew. We have been getting some feedback, and so that's always good. Uh, we like to hear that from you, and and I couldn't miss an advantage to talk about the market. I know we don't do that a lot, but with it being in the news like it was, and uh, and I wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to 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 have people hear our commentary on this market as well. Podcast at theaverageguy.tv. Andrew, summer is over. It seems like it had just started. Seriously, and now it's done. I put my kids in school, by the way, which can be really freaking expensive. I think. <laughs> If I had one one advice, although I don't know, you're never ready. It's like having kids. You're never ready for your kids to go away to college. And my middle son uh, entered into a school that was really expensive. Now, the kid did his homework, and uh, I got about two-thirds of it paid for Nice uh, with uh, grants and scholarships. Uh, we took out loans for the rest of it. One of the things that uh, when everybody approaches college different. Some parents want to pay for it. Some want to pay part of it. Um, we're going to do, I've asked my kids to take on the loans for these, and then we haven't told them yet, and they don't listen to the podcast, so we're going to be okay here. Um, uh, when those, they start paying those loans off, we're going to match their loan payments nice. when we get to that point. So um, I, I want them to go through college with the fear of debt on their mind. It kind of keeps keeps them in check. It doesn't keep the U.S. government in check. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it keeps them in check and uh, because it's they think it's going to be their money, and, and I want to make sure that they, they see it that way. Before Josh left, and we'll wrap up here in just a second, before my son left for college, I sat him down real quick, and I said, so what's your plan? For, for school and for borrowing and because we hadn't really talked about it very much and he in about 10 minutes had a re- articulated a really nice plan for himself now will he be able to ac- execute it I don't know that's up to him at this point but 
I was I felt very confident in the fact that he could just articulate it and that he was going to begin working in October and November and do everything he can to put all that money against his loans throughout throughout the year. Lives in the dorms, lives very simply, not going to try and go out and you know doesn't have a lot of ambition to party with his friends and such. Uh, and going to try and then work the summer and when school starts in September, try and have most of those loans paid off. You know what? Good enough for me. Nice. At that point, good enough for me. Some colleges offer more money. And so I think this is something you told me. Junior or sophomore, junior, senior year, they try and retain those students. And so scholarships are often available um, and they try and throw more money. I hope he will do his due diligence and search for that money that's available. Um, but it was just good to hear that he had caught that um, from us. And that he did not want to carry a lot of uh, debt through school. My second son, who made his freshman and sophomore year and is now taking a break from school, uh, is also concerned about his debt. And mm. so he has begun working and putting a plan together to you know, start chunking away. He, just, he doesn't want that debt out there very sure. long. So it's good to see those kids. My oldest just hates college debt and just can do everything he can to get rid of it. So oh, yeah. good for them. They've caught that. You and I, or maybe not so much you, my generation went heavily in debt for everything, Sure, I think, and it's good to see those kids catch up. Okay, well, that'll be it for this week's, this month's, whatever we're doing here, whatever consistency these things are. Andrew and I just put them together whenever we have time to do it. Uh, is in the books. We'll be back next time. And uh, if you want to contact the show, again, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. Find us on Facebook just by searching The Average Guy Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Collison. Andrew, have a great weekend, and we'll do it all again next time around. You too. Thanks. Thanks.